Coffee Break, the advice podcast for teachers, brought to you by UEA. Welcome to Coffee Break, the HE advice podcast from UEA. I'm Lauren and with me is Lucy. Hiya. We work with teachers across the UK to advise students on how to progress to university. So this month we have a special edition talking about studying abroad and later we'll be joined by one of our lecturers from our science department. So let's get started with this episode by welcoming Jack and Rachel from the UEA study abroad team to the podcast. Um, Just give us a little bit of an overview about your roles. Um, yeah, so my name is Jack. Uh, I'm one of UEA's uh, study abroad ambassadors, working very closely with the study abroad office to promote study abroad to students across the university, whilst also fostering a sense of community uh, between returned study abroad students and study abroad students who are about to do study abroad. Um, so I want to kind of enable information sharing really between different students. And hi, I'm Rachel Gover and I'm a study abroad administrator. Um, I work centrally, so I actually help students who are both thinking about studying abroad, going out to our host universities, but also working with students who come in um, from our different exchange partners sort of worldwide. Great. So before we start with our main questions, um, would you be able to just clarify what we're talking about when we mean study abroad? Yeah, so um, studying abroad um, is an academic exchange um, with a partner university. So um, in our study abroad office at UEA, we have um, over 200 partnerships worldwide. And basically, it's an exchange between one of their students and one of our students. Um, But like I said, it is academic. So students um, have to kind of go out and do everything that a normal student would do. They would take classes, engage in sort of student life um, and then come back. Um, So sometimes this can vary between um, a three-year course where they would have the option for a semester abroad or an extended year, so they would actually do four years um, as a degree, but one of those years would be spent at a home university, a host university, sorry. Why should teachers be talking about studying abroad um, with their sixth form students? So... Um, studying abroad is such an exceptional opportunity, it really is. It gives so much to students, um, both academically, you know, students get the opportunity to go out to a different university, they get to experience a different way of teaching, Um, they sometimes get to kind of learn different things that they would be able to um, at their home university. Um, But also it gives a lot to them, both in their own personal growth as well. So um, students often come back and they're sort of a a completely different student. Um, You know, they're a lot more confident. They've kind of been out there. They've seen the world. um, So they're really ready to settle in when they they get back from their time abroad. Um, So, yeah, I think it's just one of those things that it's such a great opportunity and we really want to encourage as many students as possible to have this opportunity and then sort of take it. Um, so if you can start talking to them, you know, as soon as possible, set that um, sort of set that in them, so they start thinking about it, then they'll be prepared by the time they get to university to really accept that opportunity and, and sort of run with it. Okay, Jack, as a student who's taken part in a study abroad program, did you start thinking about studying abroad when you were at sixth form, and did this affect your choice of university? So for me, I knew that I wanted to do a study abroad course or have that option uh, quite early on. And uh, UEA offered a, an American studies course with a year abroad. Um, so this kind of really fit into my objectives by going to university. Um, I also, because I'm doing American studies, I wanted to gain a more, more first-hand kind of American, as, as you would call it, um, experience on the subject. 
Um, and there are a lot of modules that I could do at the University of Minnesota, my study abroad exchange university, uh, that I couldn't do at UEA. And this included Asian American history, uh, immigration history, and kind of welfare rights. And I was also interested in seeing a fair bit of the States as well. Um, fortunately, when, fortunately, when I was there, I was able to go to Chicago, New York City, San Francisco, Memphis, Hawaii, various other places as well, um, including Yellowstone National Park. And I knew that I wanted to have this combination of travel in the States and also the academic experience of studying there. So um, that was the reason why I always knew I wanted to do study abroad, even whilst I was in sixth form. And um, what advice would you give a sixth form student who is considering studying abroad as part of their degree? This is going to sound incredibly cheesy and perhaps a bit cliched, uh, but I'd say in life you have to take risks sometimes. And I think sometimes those risks kind of pay off. Um, I mean, I would advise them to just be confident and embrace the possible challenges and rewards that studying abroad might bring to them. And there is something I think very rewarding about going to a different country and then kind of starting your life almost completely afresh, you know, meeting new people, getting to grips with a new education system, a new culture, and even just navigating everyday life in a different country, such as going shopping or using public transport and so on. Um, and I think once you do this and you return to the UK, um, as has kind of been touched on already, you know, you return with a lot of confidence and a lot of skills such as cultural flexibility, adaptability in the workplace, which can really help you both in your future life, you know, when you want to graduate, but also in the immediate term in your academic and even personal life um, as well. So, you know, just to summarise, I'd say that definitely just embrace the challenge. Don't be afraid. Think about the rewards it might give you. Yeah, it sounds like a fantastic opportunity. Um, you're really selling it. I wish I could go back and, you know, redo my degree and I would probably choose a study abroad option. And um, how does the application process work if you want to study abroad? So usually there are two ways of doing this. Uh, you can either apply for a degree, which includes a semester or year abroad in advance, and you can do that through UCAS. Or you can either go to university and then if your department um, accepts it, then you can apply for a study abroad placements for a semester or a year later on um, in your degree so yeah I would just say really look at the university that you're considering because it does vary between each university um, some have really great study abroad offices and departments that will really help you and assist you um, so just it's something that students should really consider when they're looking at their options of where they want to study at university um, and then they can go and go from there with the application process and another thing that we get asked a lot uh, when we're in schools by our teachers um, is how students fund their study abroad placements and kind of what options are available to them regarding the financial side. Yeah, so I'm a, a really strong believer that um, you don't have to kind of have all the money in the world to go on a study abroad experience. Um, so what's really important to consider is any student finance that students normally receive if they're a home student, they actually con they continue to get that on that year abroad or the semester abroad. And sometimes it's actually a little bit more. Um, so with the kind of the money that they usually get, um, they can kind of take that away with them and use that for kind of their living fees, maintenance, that kind of thing. Um, but also, you know, we have various different locations worldwide. So if you're someone who is a little bit concerned about money and cost, then, you know, maybe New York is not the location for you or Sydney is not the location for you. We've got partners in Europe. If they apply for a Europe placement, they also may get some Erasmus funding. Obviously, at the moment, we're not too sure how things are going to go with that. Um, but at the moment, students do get money each month for being uh, sort of in a European partner of ours, um, up to 300 euros. So actually, some students benefit quite a lot from um, being in one of those universities 
Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't feel like it does have to be a really expensive thing to do. Um, we just encourage students to really think about that in advance, um, just so they have the, that possibility there, I suppose. I'd also add to that as well that um, if you're concerned about the costs, you can apply for a travel grant uh, through student finance as well. Um, so that means that um, you have to pay for the first £303 of your flight costs to get to your study abroad placement. Um, but then after that initial money, um, you can get costs to covering the rest of your flights, um, visa costs and even some medical costs as well associated with going abroad. Study abroad can generally be be perceived as taking on a huge challenge. Um, can you just sort of let us know what support students are likely to receive once they're at university? Sure, so <clears throat> to, uh, first of all let's touch on the study abroad office. So right from the word go when you've decided that you want to uh, pick study abroad as your, one of the uh, students options, um, then they're part of our wonderful community here um, at UEA. So um, we we organise a number of events that students can go along to to help them through various things that lead to the study abroad. So that might be um, a little bit of help with kind of choosing their location. And um, we make connections between past students. So students who have just returned, like Jack, had that fantastic opportunity. They want to come back. They want to talk to students and share their experiences, um, but also share their advice. You know, wh where they liked about that area, what they didn't, and what they wish they'd known before they'd gone away. Um, so we make sure that we connect those students together. We have these sort of presentations. We have these meetings we have fairs so we actually have all the different partners that we have um, with lots of information on them so students can go around and kind of shop you know which university is the one that they want to go to um, and they'll have a little bit of you know help and guidance from other members of the team as well so um, we have a whole team that are completely there for the students we have a welcome desk that students can come to nine to five weekdays so they can just stop by um, if they've got any concerns any issues any problems um, then they can just you know come along talk to a member of the team a lot of our team have studied abroad themselves so um, you know they, they can relate to the students they know some of the issues some of the concerns they might have about going away um, and then from there we kind of guide them through the process so even when they're out at their um, host university the office is still there for them so we're still there you know for phones for emails so any questions any issues they have they can just reach out um, and they've got UEA or the, the university kind of there behind them um, the whole way so yeah definitely study abroad office is there for them but they also have you know the student support services and all the services that we have on campus um, even though they're going away for a year they're still entitled to those services they can still use sort of student support services and talk to them if they need to reach out to them separately as well so um, perhaps for a student who might have a disability or some anxiety or maybe it's their first time traveling abroad ever um, is there any additional support given for those students yeah, definitely. So, you know, we want to make um, the programme as, as accessible as possible, basically. So we really work with the students to make sure that they're happy with where they're going to. Um, it's very much an open conversation. So we'll talk to them and we'll talk to our host universities to see if they can accommodate and help certain students um, to make sure they're completely comfortable with the transition. Um, they're completely comfortable with their life out there. Um, we also have um, support from academics as well. That's something that I haven't really touched on. So students can always go and speak to their academics 
academics so that they can have advice from them about you know any concerns that they might have academically and um, whether that will influence their grades how they might adjust to a different system um, so they have that as well but like I said the student support services are also there so as much as when they're away they have all the wonderful services that our host university will have you know if you go into America some of their campuses are absolutely amazing at what they can offer students and so students are entitled to use those facilities as well but they also the whole time they're away they can speak to anyone here at UEA and and you know have access to them as well. Also to add to that um, the UEA study abroad team is currently launching its brilliant abroad uh, community um, which is a community of returned and going to study abroad students organizing social and support opportunities for prospective students who want to study abroad and at these events we can kind of both give them advice about visa applications, finances, location, destinations, but we can also give them the support they need from students who may have studied abroad at the universities they want to go to. Um, and it's relating it back to um, the needs of disabled students as well. I think it must be very difficult to go to a different country and have particular needs that you're not sure how well they'll be served in that new environment. Um, and I think in that circumstance it's so important to get first-hand person-to-person feedback from other students just so you're reassured and you know that when you go abroad your needs will be accommodated for. So you've both briefly touched on the types of destinations and universities that you can go to. Um, Are there specific ones that for example UEA are offering that we might be able to sort of highlight as areas that you could go to on a study abroad programme? Yeah well we have over 200 partnerships worldwide so really it does depend on on whether the student is interested in. Um, We've recently actually set up um, five um, exchange programmes with African universities so that's kind of a new thing that we've brought to the office recently. Um, But yeah, they're really all over and they really vary in terms of what a student is looking for. So sometimes we have students who really want to go to a city location, you know, they've always always dreamt of living in Sydney. So this is their idea and this is kind of what they they like the idea of. But... um, I also try and encourage students to think about different places, places that they may not have thought of before. You know, we've got lots of different partners all around America, all around Europe. Um, We have some in Hong Kong. So really, it does depend on what the student is looking for. But also, you know, what our academics suggest is best for their student, um, because they'll be the one that are creating these partnerships. You know, they're thinking of what will um, kind of go in with their studies, what will help them. Um, So yeah, definitely trying to Um, We put the emphasis on the student, where is it that they want to to go to and and we kind of work with that, that's why we build these partnerships, is is kind of that feedback that we hear from both the academics but from the students as well. So to finish off, can you give us the main three benefits of choosing study abroad that you'd like the teachers listening to pass on to their students? So I think one, um, one key benefit for me is employability and I'm still studying so I haven't haven't quite got into the workplace as of yet um, but I am I am in the process of applying for various different graduate schemes and graduate jobs and I'm making sure that I emphasize the fact that I have studied abroad and this has given me a greater level of confidence to adapt to new situations and to understand across different cultures particularly across the UK and the US cultures and then just building off of that as well I think studying abroad gives you that unique experience of studying in a different country and living there as well And again, we all know that it's difficult to obtain a visa to the US or to a country in Africa or Latin America. And then with us leaving the European Union, potentially, um, it's going to become more harder to live on the continent. But studying abroad programs, they kind of give you that instant kind of access to those different countries and that first hand experience of living there. Yeah, I think... um 
a kind of a misconception that I hear quite often is that um, students are worried that their grades will be affected when they return or during that time out. You know, they're worried that if they spend some time out of their normal degree, how's that going to affect it as it goes on? Um, but actually, what I hear continuously from um, sort of lecturers and seminar teachers is that they really recognise the students who have studied abroad because when they return back, they're the ones that are the most engaged. They're the ones who really know where they're interested in. They're the ones willing to share their opinion and their answer. And it's because they've had that transition. You know, they've moved into a different way of thinking. They've got to hear other people's thoughts and they're bringing it back home. Thank you both for coming in. And um, that was a really great overview of studying abroad. If that was an interesting item for you um, and you'd like to hear more, please get in touch by emailing schools at uea.ac.uk with your questions. Do you know someone who would like this podcast? We'd love it if you shared it with them. Every episode, we get an academic in from one of UEA's schools of study to talk about what they do. This week, we are delighted to be joined by Rosemary from Science. Rosemary is a lecturer in pharmacy and is also an outreach and engagement officer. So um, Rosemary's going to fill us in a little bit about the opportunities that are available through pharmacy and talk a little bit about um, all the opportunities that are there and what you can get up to on our pharmacy courses. Thank you. Yes, so we have um, a number of different op- options in studying pharmacy uh, here at UEA. Uh, our most common option is the four-year degree programme. Uh, that's our main intake. And for that, the students will do four years on the MPharm course. They then go off and complete their pre-registration year. And following that pre-registration year, they will then hopefully pass their exam and qualify as a pharmacist. Our five-year option is includes the pre-registration placement within it. This is geared up more for our international students. Um, there's been a lot of issues in the past with visa issues during the pre-registration year. So this five-year programme encompassing the pre-registration year allows our students to go off and get the same placement opportunities. Our final option is actually starting with a foundation year. A lot of our students now come in actually having not studied science and so during the foundation year they'll get to grips with the science and maths that they need to go forward into the the pharmacy course. And um, seeing as this episode is a special episode all about studying abroad, can you tell us um, a little bit about the options with studying abroad within pharmacy? Okay, so within our degree programme, we don't actually have a study abroad option. All of the the core modules are taking place in the UK. What we do have in our final year when students undergo their research project is um, an Erasmus programme where they can actually go and do their research project abroad in different countries. Um, And that's been really successful in the past and quite a few students have gone uh, and done that. Um, We're just wondering um, about some of the content of the course. Are there certain topics that you look for and um, your students are looking for completing within the pharmacy programme? So within the pharmacy programme, it's it's pretty much set that there's different topics that you're going to cover. So the, the course is really geared up so that you can go into any aspect of pharmacy, whether that be hospital pharmacy, community pharmacy, um, GP surgeries, industry, so a wide range of different subjects. So the, the key, the core elements of the course are the pharmacy practice areas where you're actually learning how to communicate with patients, how to dispense items um, and finding out about how a pharmacy actually works, the legal frameworks um, required to, to dispense and, and give out medications. Another key f- area of focus is the chemistry, so how you actually make the medicines, how, what medicines actually are, how they're, they're synthesised in the lab, um, and how we actually identify lead compounds that go through the drug discovery process. 
Um, finally, we also think about the pharmacology, so how drugs actually work within the body and how we can target different aspects in the body and hopefully create new medicines for the future. And all of these areas come together in an integrated way so that we teach it surrounding certain disease areas. So, for example, our big area in year one is hypertension. So looking at how do you take blood pressure, um, what medications patients are in if they've got high blood pressure, uh, what the physiology of the cardiovascular system is and how you communicate with patients and, and treat patients with this disease um, and complications. And also thinking about the chemistry of the actual drugs and how they actually work and how you make them in the lab. And then going into year two and three, we think about cancer, a ma- massive topic. You've got asthma and the respiratory diseases, cardiovascular diseases. So they're very much geared around the clinical areas. And then getting into the final years, we're thinking about patients being complex They don't ever just have one disease, they have multiple different diseases and complications. And so building up the complexity as we we go through the course. Quite often at UCAS fairs, we get asked what the difference between pharmacy and pharmacology is as they've spotted it in our prospectus. Would you mind going into a little bit of detail on that? Definitely. So this is a big question we get on our open days as well, because we offer a pharmacology and drug discovery course, um, which is, is new in the last couple of years as well. Um, So the main thing to say is that pharmacology is a part of pharmacy. So in order to understand how uh, a medicine works in the body, you need to understand the pharmacology. So where it targets in in the body, what kind of goes wrong in disease and how a medicine can help do something within the body to help alter the disease state. Um, So pharmacology is, is really based around that, but pharmacy encompasses pharmacology. In our pharmacology degree, we're going into much more detail in terms of the science of identifying new new drug targets, so areas in the body that we want to target with a medicine. So the major difference between the pharmacy and the pharmacology is that with a pharmacology degree, you're not going to be seeing patients, you're not going to be dispensing medications, you're not going to go through that legal framework. Pharmacology is very much the biology, the chemistry you need to understand in order to, to identify new drug targets. What would you suggest a student trying to apply for pharmacy? What skills would you be looking for? And are there any work experience opportunities they need to be picking up? So we get this question a lot. And actually, you do not need to have done work experience in a pharmacy necessarily in order to apply for the course. Please don't let that put you off um, applying. It does really help. So if you can get experience and going into a pharmacy and actually see how it works, either in a hospital pharmacy or at your GP practice or a local community pharmacy you have, That gives you a real understanding of how they actually work and whether you actually think um, pharmacy is for you. But in terms of skills you can develop, if you've done anything as working as a team, these are the kind of things we're looking for. If you've um, done anything with working with members of the public, maybe that be within your job or through volunteering. Particularly interested if you've volunteered... um, in a care home or in a, in a place where individuals you need to, to learn how to communicate with them in, in possibly a different way. There's lots of different aspects that, that we're looking for and the, the things we look for in interview are that you're meeting the key NHS core values. Um, so the seven core values and the, the key with those is that you're constantly patient focused and those are the students that we want to take and those are the students that we, that we want to help develop into professional pharmacists. So just following on from the point you made about interviews, we often get asked by our teachers what sort of skills, what questions are going to be asked at interview and is there anything in particular you would suggest that students come up with? Uh, that's a great question. So on our interview days, um, there are there are three separate things that we actually do. So we invite you to come in and have a look around, speak to our members of staff. During the interview itself, 
we ask a bit about yourself we're looking at some of the things from your personal statement and what kind of skills you developed from that and then we have a series of questions that are kind of scenario based and the main idea of these is to see how you react to this scenario and what are your thought processes and the key thing we're looking for is that you're putting the patient first in whatever scenario that is so you're making sure that the patient has got the medicine that they need um, or that you've reported issues to to the right person we don't expect you to have all the answers because that's what you come to us for so by the end of your degree you'll know how to deal with these situations but we're really looking for your thought processes great thanks rosemary um rosemary and other academics from our science department can come into your school as part of our guest lectures program so if you'd like to book one of our academics do get in touch with us by emailing schools at uea.ac.uk and we will get one out to you You've made it this far. Why not subscribe to our podcast? Each month, our final item will be opening the post bag. This is your opportunity to get in touch with us and have those questions answered. Yeah, so this month, um, we've asked Brad to join us from our international office. Hi, Brad. Hi, everyone. So, yeah, the reason why we've asked Brad to join us for the post bag section is because our question this month has come from Marta, who teaches in Norway. Marta has asked, what support do you offer students who are thinking about studying a full degree programme in the UK? As someone myself that moved uh, a couple of hours to, to actually attend university, I can understand that, that students will very much have a lot of questions before considering uh, studying overseas. Be rest assured, as an international office, we will provide all of the support necessary to to make that process as as smooth as possible, right from the point when they're considering studying overseas, uh, all the way through to actually jumping on the plane and and coming to to join us. Um, So that could range from us attending different educational fairs in country, uh, all the way through to perhaps us coming in and joining you at the school to meet students on a one-to-one basis and answer any questions uh, that they have in person. And that could be anything ranging from the application process all the way through to what it's like to actually study uh, as an international student um, in the UK. When it comes to applying, our staff work very closely with the admissions team here on campus, so they don't need to have any concerns about what documents they need to provide or whether they're eligible for for actually uh, studying on any of the courses. That that is all um, very smooth. Um, We also have student ambassadors that will be very happy to speak with potential students on the telephone phone to share their experience firsthand of what it's like uh, to study here as well and then when we move through into next year and if they are actually deciding that they want to come to the UK we provide very in-depth pre-departure briefings um, so students are fully aware of what they need to bring with them what documents what will happen when they arrive how to sort of get to the university so yeah really they don't need to to worry about anything uh, at all we're always on hand um, and your first point of contact to, to provide that support to to your students got a question for our post bag email schools at uea.ac.uk and we will do the rest